From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, increased SNAP benefits from the pandemic are over. This is not a secret for anyone. We have all been to the grocery store and realized that we're paying 10 or 20% more for the things that we used to buy. So families and individuals are going to be in a really difficult situation. And Ohio University's independent student newspaper is here to talk about foraging. Gen Z is actually the largest generation that's been more environmentally conscious and more sustainable in their decision making. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Additional SNAP benefits helped thousands in Ohio during the pandemic. But the federal government decided to end those earlier this month. WUB reporter Madison Moore speaks to local organizations as they brace for the sudden change. That's the sound of grocery items being scanned at checkout in Kindred Market. As food prices are on the rise, extra federal SNAP benefits are going away, leaving Ohio recipients with less money for groceries. At the start of the pandemic, over 5,000 Athens County households received emergency allotments, in addition to their monthly SNAP benefits. An individual is normally entitled to the minimum allotment of $23 per month. They have been receiving an additional $258 per month to receive the maximum allotment of $281. This extra grocery money has changed lives, but as of March 1st, all SNAP households' benefits have returned to normal amounts. Eva Bloom, Director of Development for Habitat and the Southeast Ohio Food Bank, says with the change in benefits and higher food prices, inevitably recipients will shift the way they shop. This is not a secret for anyone. We have all been to the grocery store and realized that we're paying 10 or 20 percent more for the things that we used to buy. So families and individuals are going to be in a really difficult situation. Bloom estimates that $4.5 million a month will be coming out of these counties in terms of these emergency allotments. She says it's hard for her to think about the overall economic impact this will have in the community. We expect from our perspective as a food bank is that we'll be supplying more food out to our pantry network. And we expect that those pantries will be seeing more families come to their door. Some families who have never been there, some families who may need to seek resources um, more often. In response to the increasing need for food resources, Athens County Department of Job and Family Services Executive Director Gene Demosky says in the meantime, JFS is working with Athens County Food Pantry for Operation Full Belly Bags, a program that provides emergency food, resource lists, and food recipes for Ohioans. Operation Full Belly is unlimited, so uh, if you need one this week and you need to come back next week, you'll get another one next week. Demosky encourages SNAP recipients to ask for help. We are there for anyone who's in need. It's our mission. It's our, um, the, our whole reason for existence. So we want to help as many people as possible. For The Outlet, I'm Madison Moore in Athens. Hardwood Heroes reporter Cameron Nupp talked to one of Athens County's most beloved head coaches about a lifetime of teaching young people. Walk into Trimble High School's William White Gymnasium on a game day, and you're sure to hear the crack of head coach Howie Caldwell's patented stomp 
as well as his ear-piercing whistle. It seems like it's always been in, uh, in my repertoire. I, I always have six, six papers in my hand from the practice schedule the day before. The stomping of the feet, uh, it's to get the attention of the players. Coldwell has been the model of consistent success for decades now. He's been coaching for 48 years, 38 as the head man, winning well over 500 games in the process. For Caldwell, molding young minds on the basketball court and in the classroom has been a lifelong dream. I used to practice as a third grader that somebody was coming to my class that had been absent and I had to sign my initials HVC. And I kind of I thought from then on that I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. Caldwell retired from teaching in 2011 but he's still a teacher of the game. He teaches each of his teams to play with a hard-nosed, blue-collar identity. This identity has certainly made Caldwell's team successful, but perhaps even more important are the relationships that Caldwell has formed with his players. It's difficult to play for me, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, very demanding, expect 100% all the time, but they know I wouldn't do anything and they wouldn't do anything for me. Tyler Hill has perhaps the most unique relationship with Caldwell. Hill was a sophomore on Caldwell's squad, and also happens to be his grandson. I think our relationship off the field is, or off the court, is really, really, really tight. And I tell my grandpa just about everything. And, you know, he gives me life lessons throughout the way, and I appreciate him a lot. That personal relationship doesn't end with Caldwell's players and staff. This is a football, basketball, sports-oriented community. Uh, great community. I mean, tremendous. You know, as we look back here to the left, that's my granddaughter. Best seat in the house and loving memory of Kaylin Hill. They wouldn't have had to done that. Just out of the goodness of their hearts, they did. And you know what? Nobody sits there. That's Caitlin's spot. Great community. Caldwell will begin his 10th season at Trimble in 2024. Whether it ends in a trip to Dayton or a first-round exit, his connection with his players and the community will transcend the result. Trey Spencer, senior writer for The Post, Ohio University's independent student-run newspaper, recently reported on foraging in and around Athens in The New Foraging Generation, Environmentalism in Modern Appalachia. So foraging is a beautiful process um, where it's basically you're going out into the wild and you're looking for fruits, nuts, berries, um, things like that that are primarily edible. Um, and a lot of people do it. And it's really fun. So what is the importance of foraging? in the region today? So in this region, in Southeast Ohio and in the larger Appalachian region, um, foraging has a really deep-rooted culture. Um, you know, first from the, the late 1700s, when European settlers um, settled the region, like Daniel Boone, um, there was a boom in ginseng digging. And ginseng is a plant that's really used in pharmaceuticals, um, and it's highly lucrative and rare. Um, so it's really expensive to purchase. And that's how a lot of, you know, early settlers made money. And that's how a lot of towns, you know, started booming and people were able to purchase land. And that's where it all kind of came in together. So in my story, I talked to two students primarily. One of those was a senior studying field ecology, Rich Cook. And he is an avid environmentalist, uh, much like my other source, Isabel. And 
both of them actually forage on their free times. Isabel, she forages for mushrooms, typically, chanterelles and morels, uh, which you can find all around Athens and just in this region, especially like Shrouswin Park. And she likes to use those in her dishes. And then for Ridge, um, he typically forages on his own, just little things that he can find. He doesn't really use them in cooking, though. But both of them, foraging is definitely an aspect and a way that they can be more environmentally friendly and more environmentally conscious of their decisions. And for them, foraging is just a great way to get outdoors and learn more about the local environment. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you went out there with them for this story? Yes, I did. So Ridge actually took me up to Sales Park, uh, which is a park that's kind of on the outskirts of Shroud's Run in Athens. And while we were there, I was able to photograph. And some of the things that we actually found included buckeyes, uh, we also found garlic mustard, uh, which is edible, and it actually is an invasive species, so it grows everywhere, typically around roadways and things like that. Unfortunately, it was the dead of winter time, but we were able to find a lot of things, including black raspberry, which was growing in because of the unusually warm weather that we've been having, and it was ultimately just an awesome experience. Could you touch on the importance of environmentalism and the importance of environmentalism to your sources? Um, there was actually a study that's in my story um, that kind of compared the generational kind of importance of environmentalism. And Gen Z is actually the largest generation that's been more environmentally conscious and more sustainable in their decision making. Foraging is a really, really great tool um, to kind of broaden your horizons and a really good opportunity to learn about your local ecosystems. And you can forage anywhere. Um, you just have to read up on some of the things that you can find um, because be t depending on the biome and just like where you are in the country or in the world, um, there's many different types of things that you can find. You can find Trey Spencer's full story on the postathens.com slash special projects. This segment is part of a collaboration between Ohio University's longest running independent student-run newspaper and WUB Public Media. The reporting was done by The Post and the audio is brought to you by the production team at WUB. Assistant producer Kayla McCluskey talks to sports director Aiden Crowley and associate sports director Maria Manessi about the All-Mac teams that were just released. Yeah, those. Uh, so for the women, they were released on Tuesday. And for the men, they were released on Wednesday. So I guess we can start with the women. Yaya Felder, the Mac leading scorer, ended up on the second team all-MAC selection, and then J.M. McClure ended on the all-freshman team. So a couple Bobcat representation there. I mean, Yaya Felder ended her year with 22 points a game, five rebounds a game, and four assists a game. Not too shabby from the sophomore sensation. And then McClure ended her season with eight points a game, two rebounds, and three assists a game. But that start, Maria, that she got near the end of the season, she showed a lot of promise. Yeah, she had a big game against Central Michigan, had a career high there, and we saw a lot um, between her and Yaya at the end of this season, a lot of good chemistry, and she definitely stood out big time as a freshman, and I think that um, she will go into next season looking to do the same. Yeah, and then for the men, they were released today. 
Dwight Wilson found himself on the All-Mac second team. Some big accomplishments for them. Jalen Hunter was an honorable mention on the All-Mac. And then Elmore James was on the All-Freshman team. So three Bobcats being represented for the men. And Dwight Wilson was kind of the obvious pick for this team. I mean, 1,000 points in his career, 1,000 rebounds. It's not a career stat, it's a season stat, but just still the longevity that he's shown. And then this season he's not having a bad season in his own right. 16 points a game, 9 rebounds, nearly going out there every night and getting a double-double, and then Jalen Hunter's come on big uh, towards the end of the season, going for 13 points a game, four assists a game, and he'll pick your pocket. He's up there around two steals a game. And then Elmore James, someone who Bulls has leaned on a little bit towards the end of the season coming in the starting lineup, he's shown some promise, Maria, too. Yeah, I think both Elmore and AJ getting um, all-freshman team, they've just been big for Ohio, like you mentioned, as of late especially, and I think they've really stood out like you mentioned as well Dwight and Jalen um, both have been very crucial for this team this season and it's exciting to see them on this list. Yeah AJ Brown was the omission I left off I was naming three <laughs> there was four uh, excuse me so AJ Brown obviously one of the top recruits ever to come through uh, for Ohio University he's an absolute sniper beyond the arc um, and he's shown that especially in these last couple games he's shooting it at about uh, 37% from three. So he is kind of that guy off the bench who will give you some quick offense, kind of a quick fix. And those two, like Maria mentioned, kind of come on, kind of learn the ropes a little bit from those older guys like Jalen Hunter and Dwight Wilson. Now they're kind of coming into their own at a good time of the year with the MAC tournament lo- looming. So. I'm joined by WUB forecasters Cameron Kuzno, Aaron Ashley, and Jacob Van Cleve today in the studio. What's happening in the world of weather right now? So much. The yeah, other what? question is what's not going on? It's <laughs> yeah. a great question. Oh, if we've had, you know, what, what seems like a really boring winter so far has, has really just been not the same across the entire United States. And I know right now what's on my mind is California. And there's been so much going on with the, with the whole atmospheric river deal going on over there. And we've even seen we've even seen some pictures of Arizona and a lot of the deserty regions over there, and it has been bright green. You can see all the all the sorts of cacti, and then what looks like just regular grass that you'd see on like someone's porch, just kind of just kind of on the ground there. Where, where, what should be sand, you would picture sand, mm-hmm. and it's just bright green. And then in the background, there's beautiful snow-capped mountains that would make you think you're in like a Colorado or a Wyoming, <laughs> but really you're you're right in the middle of. Of which desert's right there? I don't know it off the top of my head. Me but neither. <laughs> it's it's a desert and it should be sandy and it's well, not sandy. You can even go on the website of the, like the government websites, look at the satellites, and you can see California going from just brown on satellite imagery to the next. You know, the whole valley is green and then it's just white everywhere else at higher elevation. Which is insane. I know that a lot of the counties in Southern California got blizzard warnings for the first time. Was it ever? Ever. 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 That's yep. insane. The National Weather Service San Jose, first time they issued it. Um, I know there was a meteorologist out there that was talking about it on the news and how mm-hmm. I've never in my 30 years as a meteorologist ever had to issue or talk about a blizzard warning. That's crazy. Yeah. You, you think, oh, I'm going to accept a job out in California. It's going to be sunny and 80 or whatever. And Nope. Blizzards, you have to forecast not. for that. That's insane. <laughs> Certain that came as a surprise to just the average citizen in, in Orange <laughs> County, just just on their daily commute doing their <laughs> own thing, and then all of a sudden blizzard warning pops up on their phone. I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to react to that. Yeah, I bet you they don't even own a winter coat. No. I didn't even think about that. Absolutely not. <laughs> I know a lot of the mountain passes out there too. If they weren't getting snow, they were getting a lot of wind. Mm-hmm. So I know they have a lot of like windmills out there for renewable energy, but 
they had to shut some of them down because it was going way too quick through that pass. Yeah, no kidding. What else is happening in the world of weather? We got that tropical cyclone that's lasted oh, for forever. So <laughs> right now in the in the Indian Ocean, there was a there was a tropical cyclone that spun up right around right around Madagascar, and it started off and it made its way across the entirety of the Indian Ocean. Right now, it's <laughs> near like Indonesia. And it, it survived for right now 32 days as a tropical cyclone, which makes it the longest lasting tropical cyclone on record and the second ever to last over a month. The last time that happened was, was in 1994 in a, in a very similar region. But, you know, when we had a, we had such a crazy hurricane season in the fall time this year mm-hmm. when we had Hurricane Ian and Hurricane um, Fiona as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think that it was it was really, really, really interesting to see how things transpired and how things got a little wa- got a little wild when and I remember in August of this year or of last year, pardon me telling everybody this is such a boring hurricane season and that nothing fun was happening and that there were no cool hurricanes going on and just to have things change in an instant right right and i feel like oh i hope oh my gosh knock on wood when i say this but like we've had a boring winter and i know that like next week at least for us here at ohio university it's our spring break and it's they're talking about march we could expect more snow here than what we've seen all of february which is kind of crazy more snow. I've seen. I've seen whispers of a potential ice storm. You know, it's it's been, it's going to be a really really weird pattern shift. One that we would expect a lot more for like you know maybe a January or early February. The jet stream is going to going to move all the way down south, park itself over like Florida. So even if you're going to Florida Ooh. for break, don't expect not- those warm temperatures that you would expect yeah no absolutely not it's going to be a lot colder than than i'm certain you would anticipate and here we are you know that that leaves the conditions there we'll be around freezing for uh you know winter storm snow or the the trademark athens i feel like we get one every single year scary Mm -hmm. ice storm right speaking of florida by the way i heard they're having a big issue with red tide going along the western coast there uh i used to live down there and usually what what red tide is is you don't see it on the beach but it's like a red algae that blooms usually around this time of the year, and it's actually toxic. So you'll have issues where people go swimming, not know what red tide is, and they come out and they'll cough for the rest of the day. Kind of like if you were in a chlorine pool all day, and then you just feel like your eyes real itchy, and it's almost like that. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm from inland. I've, I've lived in, in Ohio, Missouri. I would be a victim of red tide. Yeah. I would oh, think it was too. cool. I was going to say, anyone going to Florida this year, uh, you're not going to get any warm weather, and if you do swim in the water, uh, be prepared for that red tide. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. I know one of our friends is going on a cruise and she's like, it's going to be 80 degrees on Sunday. And I'm like, okay, well, what about the rest of the week? Huh? Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not going to last forever. And I know we've, we've been spoiled here in town too. We've had all these sorts of systems pop up. We've had really strong warm fronts. We've had a couple of 75 degree days just <sighs> just here and they've been absolutely wonderful and now we're going to go back to you know what we what we missed out on for like the entire month of february and i know i'm not excited i know what's crazy that you if you look at some of the trees or plants they're already starting to bud which is real early for this time of the year Mm -hmm. i wouldn't expect those cherry or those cherry blossoms to bloom yet but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it happens sooner than normal i'm i wouldn't be surprised like well the timing on those cherry blossoms is just so sensitive, you know? And so I know last year we were spoiled and we all got our pretty pictures with the cherry blossoms and whatnot, but I wonder how this winter is going to affect the timing of all that because it has been so warm recently that maybe it's going to bloom faster than we anticipate. I mean, I'm not a cherry blossom enthusiast by any means, but I am curious, like, 
will we see that similar beauty that we typically get every single year? That's a that's a really good point to bring up, and I'm not I'm not exactly a tree expert either, but I would <laughs> I would imagine that as we move on and we go into that into that cold weather, that would definitely hurt it, maybe even kill those cherry blossoms yeah. that are that are happening and ha- force them to start the cycle all over again. And you know that's that's just kind of a really really um, uh, not something I would expect really to even have to think about. I, I can't imagine being someone who works in agriculture and, and having yeah. to you know take care of plants and having to worry about, oh, well, you know, is it, is it planting time? <laughs> do I need to, do I need to freak out when the weather gets cold again? You know, it's, it's been so sensitive recently and it was kind of similar to that last year too, I think where, mm-hmm. you know, we have the absolute change in, in weather and that, that, that cannot be fun. Usually at, when I work at Lowe's, we sell a bunch of mulch for people planting, you know, plants and whatnot. We usually tell people wait until after Mother's Day because of that random snowstorm yep. or ice storm mm-hmm. that comes through. But to be honest, with the way the weather pattern is this year, I would wait a little bit longer because March is expected to be a little bit colder. Like significantly colder than February. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But, no, that's what's happening in the world of weather, Taylor, really. Uh, just a whole lot of everything. Lots of going on, lots of consideration for folks going to Florida for spring break and even consideration for people who are thinking about starting their gardens this year. Or even staying home in Athens, southeastern Ohio. It's going to be cold. Honestly, it's going to be cold. (laughs) And that was WUB forecasters Cameron Kuzno, Aaron Ashley, and Jacob Van Cleve. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett, and my assistant producer, Kayla McCluskey. Redited by Atish Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Wretch is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show? Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts, or find us online at wub.org. They can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore wub, and Instagram at newswatch underscore WOUB. We'll be back in two weeks with more stories from Southeast Ohio. 